Yes, sir. All right, welcome in. Welcome into the diehards. Uh, name pending right now. But, uh, yeah, there's a little college football podcast for you all. Focus on the tide. My name's Bragg. Here with uh, the boys, Cuso, Harris, and Jimmy. Yes, sir. Uh-oh. What's good? What's good? Let's go ahead and talk about some of these games last week. Uh, obviously, game of the week. We all watched it. Uh, I don't know if you'd say it lived up to the hype, but we had Ohio State at Notre Dame. Um, slow first half, ended up in a thriller. Um, Notre Dame took the lead with 822, gave the ball back to Ohio State. They did nothing. Ohio State gets it back with 125, gets down to the one-yard line with three seconds left and runs it in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think here Notre Dame just lost it on their small mistakes down the stretch. I mean, they get the ball back with with a few minutes left to go. They run a screenplay on second and 15. That falls incomplete, which, you know, just saying uh, Ohio State 40 seconds there. Then they drop interception while Ohio State's driving in the red zone. And then, obviously, we know about that 10 man on the field. I mean, yeah. can't did do y'all that. Hear, did y'all hear what uh... – what Notre Dame's coach said about it too is the most bullshit excuse. No, I didn't. What did he say? He goes, "Yeah, we were trying to sub a man on, but we didn't want a penalty." But he had literally the three. It was two or three plays before that. They still had ten people, so it's not like he like can use that as an excuse. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you just got to get the guy out there, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, well, hey, at least uh, at least Notre Dame's starting to compete in primetime games. I feel like in the Brian Kelly era. Every time they got put on the national stage, they either got they just got whipped. So at least for hanging into the final play, props to them. But do y'all think Notre Dame's still a playoff team in y'all's book if they run the table and finish eleven and one? I don't I think they're a playoff team, but they're definitely a lot better than they have been in years past. So I like Sam Hartman a lot. Uh, they're still physical on both sides of the ball. But to me, biggest takeaway from this game was Ryan Day is just. An emotional ass dude. I mean that that post game <laughs> yeah. interview, like what Lou Holt said, I agreed with. Notre Dame really hasn't played very well, and I mean not Notre Dame, Ohio State really hasn't played very well. Other than this Georgia game and the national cha- or yeah national no semifinal <laughs> game last year, which they played great and probably should have won. Ohio State has kind of came up soft in every single big game if they played, and. Notre Dame is really not one of the elite of the league in college football, and Ohio State didn't really deserve to win this game this past Saturday. Um, it's obviously under Ryan Day's skin, and uh, I-, I think Lou Holtz was right, and Ohio State's really going to have to prove themselves in a bigger game going forward. They lost two in a row to Michigan, and uh, Michigan's a really physical team. If uh, Ryan Day really wants to prove himself, I want to see them go go and beat Michigan. Um and Kyle McCord is not very good. You know, Ohio State has weapons all over the field, but unless unless McCord can take a step can take a step up offensively, I don't really think uh I don't really think Ohio State's gonna be able to compete in bigger games than this Notre Dame one. Yeah, you know, I, I like that take and I think another one before they got Michigan, they got Penn State, which I think that could be their toughest test. I think people are kinda State's looking good. State win. They just yeah. expect them to lose to Ohio State and Michigan. But I think this year they could they could be on top of them. Do you all know yeah. that Penn State's the only FBS team with zero turnovers so far this year? Ooh. Drew Aller, baby. Oh, got a game manager back there. Game That's manager. a good one. That's a good one, big game. Jimmy with the stats. 
I will say, I understand a little bit of him getting upset. Now, granted, I don't think taking shots at an 80-some-year-old Lou Holtz is the way to do it, especially in the daily postgame. But I and he's a Notre Dame guy, too. Yeah. And he won a natty. Ryan Daisy won a natty. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. on. Yeah. But I will say, I saw a thing. It was before this game, so, I mean, I don't know. But um, it was what Joel Klatt said. Who, I mean, I, I – Considering our, our fan base, I don't think I hate that guy. Our big fans. <laughs> I hate that guy. But he popped up on the for you page every once in a while, and he was saying that like Ohio State's kind of getting in that where Bama can be, where like even if they play well and beat teams, like everybody just like shits on them for no reason, and like you know you had Michigan was what seven to six with Bowling Green at halftime or close to it nobody said a word but then Ohio State gets like a mildly close game against a nobody and like people say the sky's falling I think it was big insecure vibes and a bad look for Ryan Day but I kind of get where he's coming from because I mean he's had success in any other yeah. spot and he's not getting I do it. like Ryan Day he does he seems like a good guy and he's put some good teams out at Ohio State but uh yeah, for a large part, Louis is right. They, they need to prove the physicality. Yeah, speaking of another coach who is on the hot seat in a giant program, uh, we got Davis Sweeney at Clemson. Uh, you know, playing a team that they've been consistently beating for the last decade didn't go down how they wanted. They put up a good fight compared to what most people would say. What did y'all think about this game? I didn't get to watch all of it, but... Yeah, I mean, Clemson, Clemson seemed like they had control a lot of the game. A lot of people were questioning kind of what Mike Norvell and Florida State was doing is obviously they were the better better team on paper going into the game. I mean, Clemson fought, but just the same way as Notre Dame down the stretch, you just you got to close out the game. I mean, missing a field goal with the – throwing the walk-on kicker out there for a 29-yard field goal, I mean, I can, I can make that. Like, I Harris, you could definitely make that. We've seen that before. Oh, for sure. I don't even think that's a good excuse. Like you just you gotta you gotta finish the game. It's that close. You got a chance to win. I mean, now Clemson's out of ACC contention, out of playoff contention. Like they got interesting right ahead of them as Dabo's continued to fail to adapt to this new generation of college. Yeah, they got they yeah. Got yeah. too many white dudes on the field. I mean, yeah, it, it is ridiculous. It's <laughs> like eight or nine. Or ten, even ten white dudes out there against Florida State. He's got Keon Coleman, like absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know who it is on Clemson, but like at overtime they had like one on one, and they gave it threw it up to Coleman at the end of the game, and they just put like on a seemed like a just like a five ten white dude just matched one on one with Keon yeah. Coleman. Like, Keon Coleman just went up and grabbed that. He said, "I'll take that." Yeah, it's very obvious that. Clemson's talent is just declining all over the field. I mean, at quarterback, really since uh, since Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I mean, DJ Hugo, whatever, had a couple of great games. But other than that, for the large part, he sucked. Um, running back, so not, well, Shipley's good, but I mean, he's not he's not really ETN. Uh, defensive line, like, you got a guy like Peter Woods, but other than that, nobody's really popping off the page. Yeah, he's, he's Receiver, which he's. Yeah, he'll, I'm sure he'll be a stud All-American in a couple of years. But other yeah. than that, defensive line isn't really a great I unit. I think that's a really good point. I also think somewhere Clemson is dominated is wide receiver. And yeah, and there's nobody there. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how they beat us in 2018 
or 2019. Renfro and uh, I mean they just they had some Central Jones. Phoenix, Justin Ross, yeah. They had some Justin Ross, T. Higgins, Amari Rogers. They had a lot of talent there. Yeah. They really did. And now they're throwing shout out to Hamp Green at punt returner, but I mean. <laughs> No Justin Ross. I mean, walk-on place kicker, and they missed a 29-yard field goal. I think there was really a dichotomy when you look at uh, Florida State's team, which is, like, transfer galore. And, I mean, to me, when I watched them versus LSU, like, LSU's a really, really athletically talented team. Florida State looked legit. And Clemson hang in, hung in with them this past week, and I'll give them credit. They probably should have won the game. But I think the writing is on the wall that, Coach Dabo, the Clemson Tigers, they need to adapt to the new new NIL world and yeah. uh, new world of the transfer portal and bring in the Jimmys and Joes necessary to compete like they used to. So when Clemson's losing in season 28-7 to Duke, you know a lot's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Watching that game, they look like athletically like there wasn't any gap, that Duke game. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Yeah, if I'm a Clemson fan this year, I want to be really tuned in this all season before spring practice starts. See what yeah. kind of recruits they were going to, you know, be signing. What they're going to do in the portal. Because I tell you what, if we get into spring practice and Dabo hasn't gotten any guys in the portal, then if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm going to be pissed when spring ball comes around. Yeah. But and speaking of another great segue, uh, breaking ends of Jimmy's and Joe's, and the <laughs> we got to preview the or a review. The Colorado Oregon game. Now, I don't know how much this podcast really got to watch it. Cuso, you might have had a better view at it because I didn't watch a damn second of that game, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. But uh, I mean, 42-0 to start the game, just unbelievable. That Col- I mean, I'm not saying you, there was a party that expects it, but like that's that's the headline. For- yeah, I I mean I was watching the Bama game the whole time too. Um, and I I will say I really wasn't that surprised. And I'm on the side I do love Dion, but damn, I was I was ready for them to get for the Buffaloes to get their ass whooped. I was the hype the like 15 Bleach Report notifications a day about like Travis Hunter's TikToks or whatever his YouTube feed. I, I'm a little tired of it. And I do, I like Colorado being good. I like uh, a little bit of geographical diversity uh, with a powerhouse in the Midwest in college football, but they they don't have the talent quite yet, especially on the line of scrimmage. And uh, Oregon with Coach Dan Lanning has improved a lot and um, really they're you know, top 10, top 5 athletically in terms of uh, just talent compared to the rest of the country, and I, I think the writing was kind of on the wall before this game. Yeah, Colorado still doesn't have the Jimmys and Joes to hang, hang around with those kind of teams, so I wasn't surprised. Uh, I like the Dion, the Dion story, the Colorado story, but I'm hoping it gets shust a little bit over uh, the coming weeks. Y'all use the term Jimmys and Joes. I like the Dion term dogs and leaders. I don't think they quite have enough of those yet. Um, yeah. obviously Travis Hunter being out is not going to help. You know, I'm glad they lost. They were supposed to lose. And no matter what, though, he's taking them in the right direction. You know, I'm a huge Dion fan. You never know what that guy's going to say. He's got all the confidence in the world for all the right reasons. Um, but, yeah, they just – they don't have enough talent yet to really compete at the top. But as he said after the game, you better get us now because this is the worst we're ever going to be. <laughs> Damn right. I believe well, it, too. Doesn't get any easier for them. They got the uh, big noon uh, game on Saturday with USC coming in town. 
and Caleb Williams. So, so it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see what they're going to do. Does anybody not think that that's going to be another ass whooping? You know, the I, only reason I have the slightest bit of confidence in them covering the 21 and a half, I don't think they have a shot of winning, but to cover 21 and a half is I, I can't trust USC's defense. I think Oregon actually has defensive talent. I think Dan Lanning's obviously a great defensive coach coming from Georgia, um, even being a GA at Alabama under Nick Saban. I think, I think, uh, I think there's more points for both teams there than the 42 and the 6. Yeah, yeah, and off of that, too, USC just struggled this weekend against probably one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 in Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, that... Arizona State has looked horrible all year long. You know, it was, I mean, USC yeah. is lucky to get to escape Tempe um, without taking an L on Saturday night. I know I the score, say... they won by two touchdowns, but third quarter, it was a it was a really close game. It was getting interesting. Watching a little bit of that game, though, it's really obvious. USC has ball players all over the field, at least – Quarterback, we know that, but a receiver too. I mean, they've got some guys that are just fast. Man. Yeah, I mean, that's like, Zakarian Branch, the freshman. That guy. Yeah, can he's tough. Yeah. Sundays here in a few years. Yeah, yeah. I don't think their defense is ready. Hit me. Yeah, when you say they got guys, are you talking about defense too, or just offense? No, nah, I'm talking about offense. I really, I wasn't paying too much attention, but just kind of seeing a few guys with the ball in their hands on on offense, I was like, wow, yeah. got some pop. They're going through the Pac-12 because they're kind of low-key the story of the year right now. Um, kind of the the second-chance U conference right now. I mean, especially with the quarterbacks. You had uh, Washington. Their, their offense is – granted, I say looking. Who has the Pac-12 network? We haven't got to see any of it. But I mean, the scores <laughs> and yards they're putting up is ridiculous right now. Putting up 59 – Again, last week, they're averaging 49.75 a game. Uh, I mean, obviously getting a lot of Penn Heisman talk, but and I saw, again, Joel Clad had him second in the nation. Where do y'all like them? Do y'all see them as a playoff contender, just kind of like a, a early flash in the pan that, that once they get the schedule gets harder, they're going to get beat. What do y'all think? Of? I mean, I think, I think they can definitely contend. Um, I mean, obviously, we said the Pac-12 is a little stronger, but it's still early in the year. I mean, I think it's kind of going to be a – I mean, it really could be a four-leg race once Cam Rising gets back with Utah, USC, Oregon, and Washington. Um, so I'm really interested to see how that plays out. You know, Pac-12 made the playoff the least amount of time, so this could be another scenario where they all just go beat each other and everybody gets left out or one, one can rise to the top. But we'll, I'll be looking forward to see that. Yeah, Washington's looked really good. Candidly, I haven't actually watched any of their games yet. Just kind of looking at the box scores, uh, it's eye-opening. I think they've scored like 40, 50 points every single game. And Mm. um, other than some garbage points given up versus Cal, I think their defense has been pretty stout too. Um, I I don't know. I've I've already said this numerous times. I don't know if Washington quite has the Jimmys and Joes on the line of scrimmage uh, to compete with some of these top dogs. I cast it. <laughs> yeah, it might have to be, honestly. But uh, I think in terms of biggest players coming out of the Pac-12, I definitely think Oregon is probably uh, the most legitimate. I'm not a big Bo Nix fan, but uh, I know that they, they have recruited really well, and I like Dan Lanning a lot. So I think in terms of a uh, real competitor coming out of that conference, it's, it's got to be the Ducks. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, or- yeah, they're my uh, Pac-12 favorite as of right now. Um 
I think they're going to win the Pac-12 and sneak into the playoff. I mean, dude, if you watch that game against Colorado, Colorado O-line could not protect Shador to save their life. Oregon's D-line was getting in the backfield <laughs> almost every play when he was dropping back. And that was easily Shador's worst game of the year. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see um, what Colorado does yeah. going forward. doesn't get any easier next Saturday with USC, like we said earlier. And yeah. Oregon, um, they got Washington coming up, I think, in about two weeks. So um, they got an easy test this week with Stanford, but I think they got uh, got the Huskies coming um, yeah. next, so that'll be interesting to see. And quickly, rounding out the Pac-12 before we get to my favorite story of college football this year and the Iowa offensive coordinator, Brian Ferencz. But, uh, I mean, UCLA-Utah ending 14-7 is so, such an interesting change of pace to what we've seen from the from the Pac-12 in a long time. Are either of those teams even on your radar? I mean, obviously Utah had a great game against Florida first year, but like, where do we see them stacking up? I mean, I think I think UCLA is mid to lower tier of the Pac-12 there still. I don't think they've really risen to the top. I think they always get a little overrated to start the year, and I just don't think they have the talent to suffice there. I think Utah obviously is a legit threat. I mean, Cam Rising's still out, obviously. I'm not for sure when he's coming back, but, I mean, they're the defending Pac-12 champions. So, I mean, if they can get there with one loss and, and get, be 12-1, and one, they'll be right there knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Um, well, I, I don't know if we need to talk about UCLA and Utah too much more, but uh, Probably last, <laughs> before we get into our next next part of the show, I don't know if y'all been keeping up with it. Um, obviously... Big podcast, all this new part of my take. They talk about it all the time, and I love this story. Iowa offensive coordinator, son of head coach Brian Ferenc, and been under a lot of pressure the past couple of years. They written his contract this year. If Iowa doesn't win seven games and average 25 points, his contract is immediately terminated. And uh, this, week, this week, yeah. this week, so last week, there was a big story. They kept the ones in the whole game. Florida last second touchdown to put up 41 um, against a, a cupcake. This week, go goose egg. Go down to 21.25 points again. Well below their uh, the target for the keep. Jeez, <laughs> that is actually crazy. I yeah. did not know that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I have been hearing about this. I put my life savings that they don't average over 25 points per game. I mean, they don't know what they're doing. They sit in high formation run power and inside zone all game and they have a fine line but it just doesn't work their quarterback can't throw the ball the receivers don't get open it's hard sad because iowa really does have a great program uh other than jeff offensively actually on the field they've had a great defense for years exceptional yeah they produce solid players they have a few they've been pumping out a handful I mean, of uh yeah. nfl players over the years yeah, they almost yeah. made it to the playoff one year too when they played michigan state in the big 10 championship and they were undefeated what? and um that was a game when that was the same year when alabama throttled michigan state but yeah it just it just stinks for iowa i feel bad for their fans i mean it's got to be tough just knowing that your offense you know can't really put up points you know every saturday and if i was a defensive coordinator for uh, any of these teams playing Iowa, I would just love my job that week for game prepping for Iowa. Yeah, that, that's that's one where you're licking your chops because you know you're gonna look good no matter what you do. I mean, worst case scenario, they put up 31. Um, 
last game, I forgot we had one more. SEC, uh, we had Arkansas at LSU. It ended up being an awesome game. Kind of shocked. I mean, I, I know Arkansas always has some momentum, but I thought LSU would have been a lot of this game. Didn't look crazy impressive, but it was a good game. Um, Jane Daniels still looks hot, though. He went 20 for 29, 320, four touchdowns, 36 more on the ground. Um, what do y'all think about the Tigers? They've had such an up-and-down season so far. You know, I didn't really get to watch much of the game because I was so locked in on that Notre Dame Ohio State game. Not not for any betting reasons, of course, just because it was such a great game. Um, but I mean, the line was seventeen and a half coming into the game, so it keeps me a little weary that it was only a three point victory. I know it's a rivalry game. Arkansas is definitely not bad. That should have been where the freest money all weekend, I guess. But I just I don't know. I don't. I think LSU is a good team, but I think they're kind of where they were in the later Les Miles years where they're just kind of always around that 10 to 20 range but just can never jump over the hurdle mm-hmm. yeah I'd agree I think for starters uh Arkansas Arkansas has been getting a lot of hate or at least I've seen Arkansas getting a lot of hate mm-hmm. uh I think they're still a solid football team at least above 500 football team that could show to be pretty dangerous going forward, especially with uh, K.J. Jefferson at the helm. But uh, going on to LSU, yeah, I agree. I think going into this season, LSU is a little bit overhyped. I think uh, beating a Bama team last year, that, to be honest, was uh, a little bit overrated, and a lot of our flaws were kind of saved by our hero, Bryce Young. I think uh, people got a little bit too high on the Tigers, but uh uh, I, I do think that Jaden Daniels is really freaking good. Like he he burned Bama last year and he's looked incredible so far this year. I really think he should be the number one guy in the Heisman race. Uh same for me. I was focused on the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Uh didn't get to watch a ton of this one, but some of the balls I've seen just in highlights of Jaden Daniels have been beautiful. And yeah. obviously he's an incredible runner too. I'm worried about him and the LSU Tigers coming to Tuscaloosa in November. Um, I will say though, I don't know what's going on with that defense. And then, you know, watching that first game of the season versus Florida State, they really look kind of mismatched athletically uh, in that game. And then, you know, we've seen Florida State, obviously they're still undefeated, but we've seen them struggle against Boston College, and they really should have lost to uh, Clips in this past weekend. I don't, I really don't know what to make of either team. It'll be really interesting to follow them over the next month or so before the big showdown and Bryant Denny. Mm-hmm. One yeah. quick thing I wanted to add. Um, yeah, I was going to talk about Arkansas a little bit. I mean, coming before the LSU game, um, they had a bad home loss to BYU. I mean, do you all see Arkansas kind of finishing, you know, six in the West, you know, with Mississippi State finishing last? That's where I have them at the end of the year. What do you all think? I got about five. I got Auburn down there at six. I mean, that's the thing. Arkansas, I think, is a good team, too. I think if you put them in the Big 12, Big Ten West, I think it is, though, the one that's not Ohio State and them. I mean, I think they're a 9-1 team right there, top 15 team in the country. But, I mean, when you're in the stacked SEC, especially the SEC West, it's just it's a mm-hmm. grind every week. Yeah. Going back to what y'all said, not being able to see the game, YouTube TV's got to figure out a way to customize the quad box. Um, yeah, I have, 100%. Ohio State Notre Dame not be on any of the quad boxes was super frustrating. So I had to keep going back and forth. Fortunately, we had a good handle on the clicker, so I got to watch a little bit of that. 
a little bit of the USC game too. But um, but yeah, when you got such a stacked slate like last week, that was really pissing me off. Um, I like Jaden Dan- Daniels in the Heisman race right now. Um, I mean, honestly, it's still going to be one of those races, in my opinion, where it's whoever's team is. I mean, I think there's like eight to ten guys who could win it right now, and it's just whoever's team ends up in the playoff, which it kind of sucks for that's how the Heisman's kind of gotten to be. Not saying that's how it is every year. That's just how it feels to me. But, um, but yeah, to me, like, I mean, I great but if his team goes eight and four he's not going to win the heisman you know bo nicks could be great and all but i mean if they don't go to the playoff nobody wants to back, so. bo um, nicks could throw for ten thousand yards and he wouldn't hurt my heisman but if I, that guy's not the best player in the country i'll never get over watching him in auburn Jaden daniels has my vote for right now but there are a lot of ball players i'm interested to see how it unfolds the rest of the season I saw on uh, yeah, on Sunday, Penix was now the new favorite to win the Heisman over yeah. Caleb Williams. So your favorite, Jimmy? Who's your favorite, Jimmy? I mean, if Penix keeps it up and Washington wins the Pac-12, I think he deserves to win the Heisman. Why not? You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been putting up ridiculous numbers. It just kind of sucks he hasn't really played on a primetime stage yet, and not a lot of people really know what he's been capable of. So, I mean, he'll get his chances later on this year with. Um, Oregon definitely, and you know if they win the Pac-12 North, they'll probably likely face USC in the Pac-12 championship. That game's gonna be awesome, Jim. But all right, switching gears a little bit. Can I get uh, my Can I get my Heisman front runner real quick? Oh, no, let the man talk. <laughs> Go ahead. I got a guy who's already been effective in prime time and on the big stage, and I got Quinn Ewers as a leader right now. Think coming in in Tuscaloosa like that, throwing for 350 yards and a few scores looks very good. I think that he's got a pretty easy run in the Big 12. It's probably other next opportunity for a big Heisman moment will be in the Red River rivalry. Um, so, I mean, if they can run the table and win the Big 12, I don't see how he doesn't win it. I think a big sleeper, another game Bragg skipped over, is Washington State's Cameron Ward. My guy's been going off right now. He's got 1,390 passing yards, 13 tutties, zero interceptions on 74.6% completion break. And they've knocked off two top 25 teams already in Wisconsin, Oregon, Oregon State. It's the team that absolutely no one is talking about who's probably got one of the top resumes right now. Five wins, four weeks in That would be hilarious if they won the Pac-12 championship I last mean, that year. too realistic, but I love what they're doing right yeah. now. Cameron Ward, you probably don't know, transferred from, I probably will say it wrong, but Incarnate Ward, the uh, it's an FCS school. So, I mean, he's, he's transferred from FCS, and he's tearing up college football right now at the FCS level. Yeah, there's a lot of undefeated teams in the Pac-12 right now, and it's not going to stay that way for long. So I'm interested to see who yeah. starts falling. Fun to talk about now, though. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't even know if I have a Pac-12 team in my Final Four, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, this happens every year to them. I mean, there's a reason. Granted, I don't think they've had as many good teams, but usually their inability to have one great is what's held them back. Well, I'm, I'm sorry for there, Harris. Let's, as we move on to winners and losers, you go ahead and lead us off. Winners and losers. Now the way of this. So my winner of the week is going to be Ricky Pearsall out of Florida with the Odell S. Tra- 
catch into traffic while being able to hold him the ball. I mean, if you haven't seen that yet, I guess suggest you watch it. That was one of the best catches I've ever seen. And while getting hit, I mean, that's that's hard to do right there. That's damn near impossible. Um, my loser of the week is going to be the Minnesota Golden Gophers. And again, the Minnesota was absolutely dominating Northwestern, 31-10 to 10, heading into the fourth quarter. Was just the biggest lack of effort I've ever seen over the span of the game. Allowed Northwestern <laughs> to come back and tie the game on the last play regulation. And then they lost in overtime, 37-34. And I mean, this is Northwestern we're talking about. Like, they're the laughing stock of college football all offseason. <laughs> That's Yo, a good one. quick thing about that game, Harris. Um, did you see where Minnesota punted the ball? One of their gunners was standing in the end zone. Oh, the ball yeah, like rolled the to him. Of the game. It was before yeah. Northwestern's 80 yards outside the game. The <laughs> he was standing the in the end zone. And lets it bounce yeah. in the end zone. He catches it. And then he like looks up like, he's like, oh, shit, I'm in he's the end thinking zone. He made he's a like play. five yards deep. Like, I don't like, what are we doing? Yeah. I do want to ask one quick question, though. What do you all think about P.J. Fleck? I mean, he took Western Michigan to New Year's Six Bowl. But at Minnesota, he hasn't really done too much. I mean, he had that one good year when they upset at Penn State and you know, they played Wisconsin in game day. But, um, yeah, he hasn't been to a Big Ten championship or anything yet. Hasn't really yep. done too much there. So what are y'all's opinions uh, on him? I'll say this. It's time for him to shed the suit, man. He needs to loosen up a little bit. College football yeah. is not a suit-wearing affair. He needs to throw on the hoodie, throw on the sweats, and get out there and loosen up a little bit. I, I know saw, he's I saw, in the – I saw Charlotte's. Charlotte's head coach. He used to be a hedge fund manager, and he's out there coaching football games in a sleeveless T-shirt. Don't even cool. look at that guy if you haven't seen him. That guy's an embrace animal. the culture. We need we need to see Saban in the sleeveless T. That'd be that'd be sweet. Yeah, I think I think uh, I'd hammer us any spread that game if he comes out in the sleeveless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my biggest winner is Dan Lanning. Uh, so he, first of all, he gets recorded. Uh, given an absolutely badass pregame speech. I mean, he's he's getting his boys pepped up, and he is talking the Colorado Buffaloes. And honestly, I thought it was beautiful. I loved it. He had some haters on on Twitter and the social media sphere, but I thought it was a great speech, and he definitely did the job. Curb stop Colorado and Dion, and biggest win, biggest uh, biggest point for me is he really became the fan favorite. To replace the goat in Tuscaloosa once he uh, inevitably retires. Uh, oh, no, De- I think Dion's a close fan favorite. You know, that's a conversation for a different time, though. Yeah, yeah for another time. But I thought he was pretty impressive, and at least in my book, I'd like to see Dan Lanning behind the uh, behind the helm. No, I'm with and you. My there. biggest loser is Hugh Freeze and the Auburn family. <laughs> you lose on the road at A and M. 27 to 10. The scoreboard really doesn't tell the full story here. Uh, Hugh Freeze's famous high flying passing offense produced a whopping 56 yards on 9 of 23 passing. And that's, that's two different quarterbacks, and those are full game stats. This was the worst passing performance by Auburn in seven years. And to make things worse, Auburn statistically has the worst passing offense in the entire SEC. And after, uh, Tyler Buckner and Ty Simpson's incredible perform, incredibly bad performances versus South Florida. I don't know how Bama's not at the bottom, but uh, yeah, biggest loser for me, not even close, is Hugh Freeze and the Auburn family. Yeah, I thought that after the USF game, uh, you know, I think a lot of us were losing some hope. 
I was finding a lot of my head and how bad Auburn is. And <laughs> this last weekend to have us play so well and them play so bad, it just made this season, you know, just a, about 10 notches up on, uh, on how I'm feeling right now. So I would definitely <laughs> Here are your winners and legends of the league, Brandon. All right, so my winner uh, is at the Bama game. I don't, I'm guessing they didn't catch it on TV. Um, but yeah, it was they didn't fully catch it. I will say that. I've seen play. Um, was Dixieland delight. Um, yeah, everybody knows. First time out of the fourth quarter, we get we get Dixieland delight going. You know, they put two twenty on the clock and play it and. Uh, so, you know, the clock starts winding down, about to come back from commercial, and I think the whole stadium could kind of sense where it was going. Like, the the chorus is winding down, you know, there's five seconds left, we're putting her up against the wall, you know, and then the, the clock fades out, and then just the perfect, you know, beat Auburn uh, with uncensored, you know, full full volume of the whole student section, acapella, you know, just like rings through the stadium. I mean, I was laughing, having the best time ever. Put so much energy into the stadium. Kind of got a little bit of a throwback without, you know, the speakers drowning everybody out. I mean, could not have been a better moment, uh, especially at that time in the game. I'm sure there's got to be a video somewhere on social media. Oh, yeah. What's your uh, what's your biggest loser, Bragg? My loser is the family jewels. Uh, this week was maybe the most hilarious thing I've seen this whole football season. USC game. Caleb Williams uh, going up to to tell his center something before the snap, and uh, <laughs> and he gets about two feet for the center. Center snaps it back as hard as he can, just straight to the stones. <laughs> Caleb Williams, they call like a false start or something. Caleb Williams is writhing in pain on the ground for like five minutes. Just, I mean, the the announcers can't contain themselves. Such a hilarious moment. Two plays go by. Caleb throws a pass to a wide receiver. He looks like he might break for a touchdown. Then we get the you know now kind of popular punch out by the linebacker who punches the ball straight wide receiver's nuts. He goes down for like another two minutes. They finally get him off the field. The next play, third time in five plays, running back gets a straight crown of a helmet to his nuts on the ground again. I've never seen anything like it. Three players just like straight nut shot within five. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that sums up USC's team for me right there. Just oh, yeah. like that happening. Yeah, and then okay. on the flip side, California Cameron, boys, uh, and leads to you know maybe the most electric moment of uh, of Alabama's season so far. I you know everybody saw the video. Um, him getting up after you know a, a, an obscure injury and fist uh, bumping got the full one hundred thousand nuts. That was an awesome moment. And then I guess I'll do my winners and losers of the week. I'm gonna start with the losers, and I think Shiloh Sanders. He's a big L this week. Um, you know, he had a good game last week against Colorado State, had the pick six, but comes in pregame, and obviously all of us have seen it on social media. Starts talking all this crap before the game, stumping on the O pregame, and then he just 
winds up just playing terribly defensively, ends up, you know, getting hit so hard in the kidney. He unfortunately got hurt and um, resulted, you know, in Colorado getting blown out like we talked earlier. So um, he's my biggest loser of the week. Um, just doing all that talking and just getting out physical and end up getting hurt, but hopefully gets back on the field. It's fun watching Dion's kids play. Um, but my biggest winner, um, y'all might kind of disagree with me on this a little bit, but I really like Drew Aller at Penn State. He managed, he doesn't put up insane numbers, but he manages the game well. Um, like I said earlier in the podcast, they don't turn over the football. And I think they finally got a guy at quarterback who's, capable enough, you know, to put up a really good fight and provide a big upset, you know, hopefully against Michigan or Ohio State to try to, you know, push them to that playoff point. Yeah, going on to uh, our next segment, uh, we got the MVPs. Jimmy, why don't you start us off? Who would you like? And uh, we're talking only time from here uh, here until we make our picks. So, so we got to lock in on. Pod right now. This is the reason we made the podcast. This is the reason you're all here watching. Uh, oh yeah, over here. I can. I'm gonna do an obvious one, and then I'm gonna do. A, I got another MVP that a lot of people don't really talk about. I think played really well, and um. So obviously Jalen Miller is my obvious MVP. You know, all week long, he's been known as the starter. People were anticipating him to have a big game. Um, he delivered when he needed to. Had a huge second half. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but when he had that touchdown pass and he was laying out on the ground and then he got up and, you know, pumped up the crowd and gave a, you know, big swing and fist pump, you know, Bryant Denny was electric. It was so loud and that just completely changed, you know, the mojo of the game. And that's when I knew I was like, the standard's back. Like, we're not going to let Kiffin run in here and beat us. Um, but another player who played really well when our offense wasn't doing well, um, I'm going to talk about the special teams. James Burnup punted a hell of a game. Ole Miss our best players this year. He's an NFL punter. Oh, yes. I loved how he played. I mean, Ole Miss started the ball back, you know, so far deep in territory, especially with an offense like Lane Kiffin does. You know, that just puts a major advantage um, for Alabama. So, um, yeah, Burnup, he's my sneaky MVP, especially in the first half when offensively we couldn't get anything clicking. Having Ole Miss start, you know, 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 past the 20-yard line, um, you know, just made it huge for our defense um, to get out in the field and not give Ole Miss, you know, any great field position. Um, I'll go ahead and go just to make sure y'all don't take mine because uh, it relates to Jimmy's and both of his reestablishing standard and special. I love Jory Brooks and the play he made. Um, obviously, didn't end up being the the best outcome in a in a touchdown, but you know, Jacory. Obviously, one of our top targets the past couple of years expected to have, um, you know, this could have been his year type thing, but he has not gotten on the field a bunch. He has not really played very well. Um, and something that uh, you're, you're pleasantly surprised by nowadays um, is a guy really, you know, getting the team player attitude and, uh, and him going out there and, and making a hell of a play on special teams. Um, and then was rewarded later in the game with a few snaps and offense too. I thought it was something that was awesome to see. Something that you know, we Todd has done throughout the dynasty, and uh, to see that happen, I felt like that was a great thing for the team. 
to kind of, like James is saying, reestablish the standard, get the mindset back that, you know, it's it's for the Todd and, the, and not you know. I agree, Bragg, and I don't think we've seen the last of Ja'Cory Brooks. We've got a lot of a lot of important games left on the slate, and I think he's going to make some big and timely plays coming down the stretch. He, he's a ball player. I mm-hmm. think, no, it's nice to see him making an impact somewhere not at his starting position because, you know, he could be down a little bit after, you know, his snaps have been reduced the last year or so. Um, but just being able to make a big impact there and keep his confidence up, I think that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'll move on next to my MVP. I got the the edge rushers here, mainly Dallas Turner, but Chris Braswell uh, as well. He had Braswell had a sack and a half uh, with Dallas Turner winning college football defensive player in the week with two sacks, three and a half tackles for loss, and a forced fumble. Um, you know, it's something we didn't see against Texas where we had like two quarterback hurries the whole game. Um, tonight or on Saturday, we had five sacks, ten tackles for loss. Um, so I mean, I thought they were great. If we can just keep that pass rush presence, I mean, I don't think mm. I think teams will have a very hard time scoring on us at all times. Mm. They were animals. That was uh, it. Felt good. It felt good to see those boys get yeah, after the quarterback like that. And, I feel like it's been kind of a while too. I feel like last year we didn't really see you know our D line getting much push and pressure on the quarterback with yeah. both schemes. And it was really yeah. fun on Saturday just watching us against a very good offensive team and Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and, you know, Jackson Dart just, you know, literally just, you know, getting sacks yeah. in the backfield and knocking his helmet off. It was fun it to felt... watch a very physical defense, you know, just like the old days, you know, we grew up loved and watching. Yeah, I felt like it was like November of 2015 watching Jackson Dart crawling around grass-stained jerseys. Yeah, you got one edge rusher with like two and a half sacks. Is he really? I didn't even know that. He is. I'll tell you what, he looks a lot different than he used to. I didn't recognize him until someone told me it was him. I'm like, no fucking shit. He's probably got (laughs) some battle scars from what the Tide defense did to him back in the day. He's got like 47,000 tattoos as well. (laughs) Not All right, well, I'll uh, I'll cap things off with my uh, offensive and defensive MVP. On offense, I'm going to tell you, I was going to go with Caden Proctor here for a second. Then I thought about him, truthfully. I mean, he, he wasn't the MVP. He might be he a would have been a good fit for him. Yeah, he's most improved. I'll give him that. And really, offensively, our MVP is Tyler Booker and – I think he's the MVP of the offense for sure, and he might be the most valuable player of the whole team. Uh, after seeing maybe the most dysfunctional offensive line performance in the history of the Saban era, last week with uh, with Tyler Booker out, and then comparing that to this week, uh, which wasn't a phenomenal performance, but it was much improved and definitely a step in the right direction. I think that really showed just how important Tyler Booker is. Coach Saban, has told us that uh, Tyler Booker is really the leader of the offensive line. He's the communicator, and I've heard from uh, people in the program that Caden Proctor has no idea what he's doing without Tyler Booker in the lineup, uh, and you know, without Caden Proctor knowing what the plays are, we're absolutely screwed, and that just proves Tyler Booker's importance even more. Um, and the run game was better, and 
I really didn't think Milro was pressured that much all day. He got hit a few times, but he was also holding the holding on to the ball a little bit too much uh, than would probably be optimal. But it's all good. I thought he improved as well. Uh, overall, yeah, I, I think Tyler Booker is a stud, and really glad to have him back in the lineup. And then defensively, he doesn't really get all the hype uh, in the secondary, like the newcomer Caleb Downs and then uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry and even Terry on Arnold have been getting lately. But I, I think Malachi Moore is just solid. Uh, he didn't do anything crazy versus Ole Miss, but the man just rocks all. He does he does the little things right every game. He he wraps up. He hits hard. Uh, he plays tight coverage. and He's, he's, he's a, leader, a leader and the communicator. Yeah. yeah, he's our leader, and... He's been playing for five years now, and I, I really think he might be our best player on our team. And I, I really enjoyed watching him improve over the years, really since high school. And uh, and I'm glad that we have him back there, and he came back for a senior year. And so those are my two MVPs. I thought they're both uh, both had great performances, and they've been playing great all year. Yeah, Kusa, that was my biggest takeaway from the game, and really the whole season so far. Our one consistent. Uh, group right now to me is the dbs i think this db group is insane i mean even without a pass rush for most of the year they have been clamping everybody um i mean like you were saying we're we're four or five deep on on not only nfl guys probably top three round minimum nfl guys i mean caleb downs it, it could end up being a top five pick he's so damn good as a freshman Kool-Aid, I think, is in the conversation with Sertain to be the best corner we've ever had, especially on the outside. Um, Terion been incredibly improved. I think this group, uh, you know, texting y'all during the game, I would put them up there with any of the groups we've had. I think they're a top three minimum um, from outside to safety to, to, to star. I think that this group, I mean, is ridiculous, and there's nothing better than watching some good DBs um, I'd love to see a few more, few more, uh, you know, ball hunting and more Eddie Jackson returns on some of these. Uh, Terry on did a sweet spin move, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I love watching the boys out there cover. I mean, anytime throws a Kool Aid, you just know it's incomplete. I mean, it's so fun to watch. Yeah, you I know, agree. I thought, I thought one one big sleeper that we haven't talked about is. Uh, is the way Jalen Hill came in and played, too, as a true freshman. I mean, he only had two catches for 63 yards, both big catches. I mean, the first one got wide open across the defense. He's got explosiveness. Uh, he can jump high. I mean, on that deep ball, he was he was open, but he also still had to go up and make a play on it, made a good play, kept the feet in bounds. I think uh, he could be very key for our receiving group as he can stretch the field for us. Um, but I think that's obviously the best we've seen our team play to, to date this year, and uh, mm-hmm. I was proud of them for that. Yeah, talking about the receivers a little bit more, they got so much hate last year. And I, I really, I thought they were a good group last year. I thought the problem was that we really couldn't establish the run game. Receivers couldn't get any separation. And uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about our receivers having a lot of drops this past summer and in the spring. I think they've been great this year. And, I mean, I can definitely see that they probably got a little bit of frustrated frustration with our uh, quarterback was, but... I don't remember any key drops or uh, you know bad blocking. There have been a couple penalties, but I think your series have been fantastic, and uh, I think they're really a strength of our team going forward. Uh, another group that got a lot of hate last year, really the past two or three years, has been like the interior of our D-line, and I think 
um, deservedly so. Like, we really haven't gotten any interior pressure in a couple of years. And this year, too, the first few games, tier of the D-line was nowhere to be found. The run game, run defense has been great. But in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback from the interior, Tim Smith, Justin Boygby, Tim Keenan, uh, really hadn't been much going. But this past week, I really haven't heard them get a ton of praise, but there was very noticeable pressure from the interior pushing the pocket, helping uh, helping Braswell and Dallas Turner uh, really make some moves and stunts along the front. And uh, that was really encouraging for me to see because it's been a long time. Uh, I'm hoping it will continue going forward because I really think that's the key to our defense being an all-timer is having that interior pressure. Got to win, gotta but, win uh, trenches. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got to win the trenches. So big shout-out there. I'm hoping to see those guys eat going forward. Yeah, um, you know, I think we need to start. You know, our offense is still coming along. But as we get into road games, you know, with going to the state and going to A&M, and playing and, you know, and starting to play in hostile environments. I think our offense needs to start a little bit quicker in the first half. Um, I kind of hope that, you know, we can get some touchdowns in the first half against Mississippi State this upcoming Saturday, um, you know, because, you know, if we – our defense, you know, they really kept us in the game. I mean, our offense couldn't really do anything first half. And ever since that first drive in the Ole Miss game, um, Ole Miss didn't do anything offensively. So um, – I've been really impressed with our defense. I think it's one of the best defenses we've had in a very long time. They have a lot of dogs all around the field. Um, like you were saying earlier, yeah, I right. do think this is one of the best secondary groups we have. But um, for our offense, you know, with State coming up, you know, I don't think State's all that talented, but it's going to be a tough place to play. Tough place to play. It's going to be loud. There's going to be cowbells. It's an 8 p.m. kick. And, um, you know, we need our offense to start off right and, you know, try to put up some touchdowns in the first half rather than just having Will Riker kick field goals for us all first half. Uh, he's he's carrying my college football fantasy team right now. He's been great so far. It's four games to the year. Not what we want, though. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> no, I'll, sacrifice, I'll sacrifice my fantasy team for, uh, for the tide to play a little better. You're right, Jimmy. That, that Mississippi State can be a tough place to play, especially – um, I mean, we, we played very well. We, we went up and down the field way more than I'd like to, but I mean, we still have not completed drives very well. And, uh, on the road in the SEC, that's not a habit you want to get into. Yeah. I mean, I, we've had, we've had five touchdowns called back this year due to penalties dude, and five touchdowns all in the last three games too. So excluding the first one. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty bad. I hope that we don't have another one of those, but we, we still have things to clean up for sure. Um, yeah. I'm excited for Mississippi State because I think this is Milrow, this is Milrow's first career road start ever in a tough environment versus a solid team, not a great team. So I think this is a great first step for him um, starting, you know, like I said, with the cowbell, it's going to be loud in there. Um, everyone's giving Bama's best shot. So I think this is a great opener for him before – we hit the road again next week to play at Texas A&M. Yeah. Offense has to build off our performance this past week. The second half of this past week versus Ole Miss. We can't go back to South Florida or to Texas. we got to improve. The run game's got to improve. Can't have those mistakes. We can't have the uh, McLaughlin snap over Miller's head from the one. We can't have uh, 10 negative plays in the first half. 
you can't have the penalties. It, we can have some, but we got to cut down. It's got to get a little bit better because going to College Station in two weeks is going to be a serious test, and we've got to be ready. Um, yeah, so before we wrap up Mississippi State, going to do this every week. Um, this, along with our, our picks for the rest of the country, get a point system to be determined to who's the best picker for the year, but I want to hear y'all's score prediction. Gotta get to the top. Uh, I guess here. I'll start us off first. I'll I'll go I got us winning thirty four thirteen. I think we covered fourteen and a half. I think I think they you know they hadn't scored a touchdown on us on it was like in two years and they got one on like the last play of the game last year. I think they were able to get another one here and a couple field goals. Um I look for us to have four touchdowns and you know of course a couple of record field goals. When we get stopped sure. down the red zone. Mm. Jimmy, what you think? Um, I think I think my score prediction for this week, I think I can see like being a twenty four to six, twenty four seven game. I'll say twenty four to six. I bought um, with one around there. Yeah. Um you know, offensively, you know, until I see it, I just think we're still gonna start off a little slow. Um, coming in Starkville, especially with the first road test. I think it's going to be really close in the first half, but eventually in the second half, I think we'll be settled in. I think we got more talent on both sides of the ball, and um, we got more you know, talent on the trenches. And um, I think we're just better all around the field. We got better coaching, and I think in the second half, we'll start pulling away and you know, get a nice, comfortable win. But I think our defense is really going to shine. And um, yeah. I, can, I, I actually – I really don't think State's going to be able to score a touchdown on us, but I will see, so – yeah, I'm kind of agree with both of you guys. Uh, it, it may be wishful thinking, but you know, I really think our offense picked up some momentum and confidence this past week, especially Jalen Miller on the offensive line uh, in our running game as well. I, I, I think we're con- going to continue to improve. I, I think I think it's the first time, but I think we're going to eclipse 150 yards rushing on the ground this upcoming week, and uh, I think our defense is going to contribute its first scoring play of the season. And I love that I, prediction. I really I can't believe we our defense hasn't scored yet. I don't think it's because we, we don't have ball hawks or playmakers that haven't been aggressive enough. I really just think it's uh came down to some bad luck, so I definitely think we're going to score at least once on defense. I wouldn't be surprised if it's twice. And then got a little stat for you guys. Bama's won 15 straight against Mississippi State with the – 13 in the last 15 being by at least 15 points. So I think it's going to be another one of those 15-point wins again on Saturday. Tide rolls 38-13 in Starkville. Offense has its best performance of the season and uh, picks up some momentum heading into College Station two weeks. Yeah, I love the I love the non-offensive touchdown. I think that's something that really could get the boys fired up. Get me fired up too. I'm gonna take a touchdown off both of the sides. I'm going 31-6. Um, just sounds like, like a state Bama score to me. Um, I love I that. Think, I think I we're gonna a couple more drives. I agree with uh, with Jimmy. I don't think they get a, a touchdown on us. Um, you know, I think it's one of those 17-3 at halftime type games. You know, um, but I, I think. We do need to start fast. I think letting this be, you know, six to three at halftime is just not where we want to be. No. Uh, you know, but 
I, I'm comfortable with, uh, about this game. I think it's a good way to get our first road test as we kind of start this uh, SEC gauntlet um, for the rest of the year. Oh, I, I can... agree. We All don't right, want a seven to six at halftime or six to three. Yeah, yeah. we got we to gotta get a, like, I want to see two first half touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a good goal. I like yeah. that. Um, all right, well, with that being said, I think we, we roll into our picks for the week. All right, we're going to start with Utah and Oregon State. I think we kind of, kind of make it a little quick. You know, you get a little analysis, but try to keep it short. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll go Utah Oregon State. You know, originally I, I had written down that I had Utah winning this one in a close one with even with Cam Rising, guys, they a great team all around. But I think I'm changing. I got Oregon State at home on Friday night. I like Utah, actually. Uh, I don't know. Is Cam Rising out or is he back or what? I don't think they know yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Know. doesn't really matter to me here. I think Utah's <laughs> got the Jimmys and Joes. I still don't believe in Oregon State yet. If I'm Cam Rising Utah. plays, I will change my answer. But until then, I'm, I got them. All right, Bragg? Um... I like the DJ in this one. I know Utah's monster not on Saturday. You don't want to catch them on a weekday this year, but uh, but I kind of I like the idea of DJ Uyungle having some eyes on him on Friday night. Um, Clemson struggling, you know, he gets a chance to to show the world that he can win a game before they can have a comeback. Uh, comeback dub i feel like this is setting up you know i, I wanted to get get an underdog out there too um, i like oregon state yeah i guess that leads to me for this last pick um if cam rising's playing i really like utah but if he's not i like oregon state utah hasn't had a tough road test yet they beat florida and ucla both at home um it's gonna be you know corvallis is gonna be hostile on a friday night you got a big-time program in Utah. He's won the Pac-12 in the past two years coming in town. Um, and I think DJ, you know, shows out on Friday night. And, um, yeah, they kind of need this win. I mean, they got the L last week against Washington State. It's to be a good bounce-back win for them. Yeah, you know, nice. I think we taking Oregon State. I, I think we can expect a low-scoring game in that one, um, especially after watching Utah last weekend. If I'm not mistaken, I think Oregon State's favored um, by Vegas. Yeah, I think, I think they might nights. be. I think they're. I think they're three-point favorites. Vegas knows. I mean, that's that's when you know. That's when you know you probably should be wrong <laughs> with Oregon State. Those, those guys aren't wrong too often, and when they are, they're not too far off. All right, so what we got next? All right, next we got a USC at Colorado. Um, I mean, I think this is a given. I think I think we're going USC across the board here. I am at least. I think Colorado. Can cover the spread, not a shot they win. I think we got a high-scoring game with a lot of points, a lot of big plays, and very few punts in this one. Kiso? Yeah, completely agree. I think the bigger questions, do they cover or not? Uh, I think yeah. I think USC is going to win this game, like probably 59-28. I feel pretty good about that score. I think probably flip a coin. It's that score or something else. I like that score a lot. <laughs> I like I was gonna pick Colorado, but I like that score too much. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. But... Anyway. I mean, y'all nailed it on the head. Um, I think USC is gonna take care of business. Um, Colorado's just a little too banged up. They don't have those dudes on the line um, to really protect your door. And um, I think Caleb's just gonna have a fuel day throwing the ball. 
against that Colorado defense. And um, but yeah, I'm excited to watch. I'll definitely be tuning in, probably watching the whole game. And I love Gus and Joel on Ding Ding Kickoff. They bring energy. Um, so yeah, but I think USC. I think you'd be close in the first half a little bit. Um, but I think you know, USC just has far superior talent at this point, and um, I think they will handle business in the second half and pull away. And I think they'll win and cover. I like it. All right, next up we got Georgia. Oh, you got any closing thoughts yeah. over there? Hey, my official selection. Is Hunter playing? Travis, no. yeah, he's not. He no. wants to, but he... Prime won't let him. He knows there's bigger things in this game coming up for that guy. All right, let's let's do these last few against the spread. Okay. We got, like, we got four more to go. Okay, so. Uh, I will say, this is I'm gonna officially pick USC. I got a a scary feeling. Don't like this feeling. I think Caleb Williams ACL second quarter. I'm gonna call my. <laughs> Can't believe you're praying for someone to get injured now. Now, I'm not, now you're like, now you want it to happen. Just so you can say I told you so. This is ridiculous. It's gut feeling. I don't think I've ever heard anyone predict an injury like that. I mean, it's USC fans. Quarter, too. USC fans, if Caleb Williams gets hurt on Saturday, y'all know who to hunt down and track. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Bragg. Bragg, Bragg officially wins the pick for the whole season if he gets his prediction right. <laughs> A hundred percent. Gotta get our viral clip of the podcast. Throw that out there. That's fair. I like it. All right. Next up, we got Georgia at Auburn. I think we can go against the spread here. I, y'all might have to check me. It's seventeen. Seventeen and a half. Seventeen and a half. Seventeen straight up. We'll just call it. We'll call it seventeen straight up. All right. I got. I mean, I said I'll be very surprised if Auburn gets a touchdown. I mean, very, very, very surprised to get more than one in this one. I expect us to go under the total. I got Georgia winning thirty-one to six. What yeah. time? Two thirty CBS. Yeah, yeah it's, it's game of the week. I I'm actually gonna go. I'm gonna take Auburn and the points. I like the home field advantage in Jordan Hare. I think I do believe in uh, Hugh Freeze's offensive mind, and after. The absolute piss poor showing in College Station last week. I think uh, he's going to throw the kitchen sink at the Bulldogs. I think one thing came out of their uh, big L to Texas a and last week, and that was figuring out that Robbie Ashford is definitely the answer. You, you got to at least have his feet, uh, if anything, going forward. And I think uh, they'll scheme a few plays that can uh you know possibly get them in field goal range and put a few points on the board and I don't really believe in Georgia's offense thus far and I did like some of the things I saw at Auburn's defense this past week. Uh offense just really didn't play complimentary football. Uh, so I think this is gonna be a low scoring affair, maybe like a uh twenty one to ten kind of game, twenty four to ten. Auburn covers at home. Um I guess I'll go next. Um for me personally um, it all matters who Auburn's really going to put at quarterback, like Cuso said. I don't think Peyton Thorne is that guy, um, really. I mean, there's a reason he got pulled in the A&M game. He hasn't really impressed me too much at all this year. Um, if he walks out on the field in the first quarter and plays the first half, then I'm slamming, you know, Georgia, you know, covering spread easy. But, you know, if Robbie's playing and they announce him starting, then I really like Auburn plus the points. I mean, Jordan Hare is a hostile environment, and Georgia, you know, they haven't really had a true tough road test yet. I mean, this is their first true road game. 
Um, they started slow at home against South Carolina, but I do think South Carolina's a little bit better of a team than Auburn is right now. Um, so I'm going to say if Peyton Thorne walks out in the field and starts for Auburn on Saturday, I can see Georgia winning this game 27-3 you know, to three or 27-6. to six. I'll go 27-3. to three. So what's your pick, Jimmy? Are you uh, taking Georgia. Auburn? I'm taking uh, Georgia. He's going 27-3. Yeah, I like Georgia. All right. I'm here. I like the take Jim going with. I'm not gonna leave it up to stipulate. I want. I mean, I feel like Auburn could be the play. They just are so unimpressive. The Auburn friends that I have are just already done with the team. I have a feeling that they could fold quickly if Georgia starts fast. And uh, and I don't. Maybe if it was at night, a little bit more more weird shit could happen, but. I don't know. I think I think Georgia ends up going off second half. I think it's like a forty-one to seven. Sorry, I had to place my McFlurry order there. <laughs> Grant, Grant Timmer make a little run real quick. Um, what's who, what was your score prediction? I missed that part. Who you have Georgia Auburn? I don't need seven. analysis. Just the score. I think I think Auburn could hang in there, but I think as soon as Georgia gets a little bit of a lead, that Auburn's going to fold. And I think that since Georgia's been a good second half team, they're going to win. You got you got Georgia minus points. Yeah, by like, a lot. All right, I'm I, only Auburn. I, I, I I'm riding for the Auburn might, family. I think the lock of the league might be the under in that one. I hate both offenses and. Yeah, yeah. I love Georgia's defense, Auburn's defense. I'm sure they're fine. They're usually all right. What is the under? I think 47. Um, you can let us know that Total Burger had to move on to the LSU Ole Miss game. Now, this game's the toughest one for me to pick. Um, it's at Ole Miss. I think LSU is three point favorites here. Um, I just I just don't think Ole Miss is it yet. I mean, I think they're like an eight and four team, and I think this is their second loss back to back. I know they're coming off a tough loss in Alabama. They love to bounce back, but I, I think LSU is just a little better. I think they. Get by in a close one. Um, I could see this being a three or four point win for for LSU. Yeah, I agree. I saw a stat on Lane Kiffin this past week. He's like nineteen and one versus opponents that have finished with eight wins or more in his head coaching career. Or that might be his Ole Miss coaching career, but either like way, one in nineteen. Yeah, one in nineteen. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Well, he's, um... <laughs> No, he's one in nineteen. That's absolutely abysmal. Uh, I don't think anything changes today. I don't think they're able to to keep up with uh, Jaden Daniels' running ability or his passing ability with uh, Malik Neighbors outside. Um, LSU's defense doesn't seem to be spectacular, but uh, I think they should be able to bottle up the Ole Miss, deep, Ole Miss offense we saw this past week versus Alabama. Uh, I think LSU covers and covers handedly. Yeah, it's a tough start for Ole Miss. I mean, they're getting two of the biggest dogs in the West back-to-back weeks. Um, I mean, with the L here, that basically I think they're kind of puts them out of the SEC West um, title race. But 100%. I agree with you all. I think LSU is a better football team. I think it's going to be a really close game um, just because it's in Oxford, you know, early Saturday night game. Fans can be riled up, you know. Um, I think it's going to be really close at half. I wouldn't be surprised if Ole Miss is winning at halftime. But um, I just don't think Ole Miss's defense is going to be able to stop Jaden Daniels. And, um, you know, Ole Miss's offense wasn't really that impressive to me. 
against Alabama. I know Alabama has, you know, one of the best defenses in the SEC right now, but LSU, you know, the defense is obviously not as good as Bama's, but um, they're still a pretty solid defensive team. And, um, yeah, I, I like LSU. Um, I think like a 34-31 kind of win um, on the road in Oxford. 34-31 victory. Did you say 34-31? I didn't even... No, but I think, you... isn't that what the score of the game was against Arkansas? Yeah. Are you saying yeah. they put... I guess yeah, I, 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 three, four I can see. I can very see. Stevie keeps better. giving these half answers on the pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Jaden Daniels plays, then I'm taking LSU. <laughs> well, I mean that's that's true about the Auburn game. I mean, if Peyton Thorn walks out on the field, Auburn's going to get slapped. I mean, I, he's not going to do anything. Robbie Ashford <laughs> provides so much more energy on that all, all right, offense. Jimmy, but... what, what's your LSU pick? You taking LSU yep. minus three? He, he, I mean, he, he's right, he's I think it's going to push. I think it's going to push. Which I, I, the push right, is come you, back I'm to here. I'm marking you down as a push, push. and you get two if it, if it hits. Everyone yeah. gets their money back. Uh, Jimmy gets like five if he's it pushes. Saying, he's saying to buy <laughs> half the point either way you're betting. You want Ole Miss, buy half the point. LSU, buy half the point. Oh. Uh, I I don't hate that, James. I will say I, I I like Ole Miss a little bit this game. I think three's an unfair line to be able to choose them. Um, I think LSU thinks they're a better team than they've been playing, and I think they're going to want to prove that this weekend. Almost kind of got in a bad spot where they're getting two teams back-to-back weeks, weeks, so I think are kind of in that same position where they really like want to have a staple game. Um, at least they have it at home, so maybe something could happen. But I like LSU. I think this one could get away from Ole Miss if they're not careful. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm taking LSU for sure this one. I think I'm going to go LSU across the board there. Yeah, we did. So. Well, Jimmy went for the push for no, five oh, minutes. points. Bad. Sorry, to win the game, we all got LSU at least. All right, moving on, we got Notre Dame. At Duke, uh, Notre Dame is five and a half point favorites here. Um, I I personally think this is a game Notre Dame wins by by ten to seventeen points. Um, I think Duke's already had their their big home victory of the year beating Clemson. Um, I think Notre Dame can come out a little flat. I expect it to be kind of a little sloppy start for them. Um, with them really kicking into gear in the second half and kind of pulling away from this one, I just think they have more more talent, um, a little better coaching. It's a five and a half point spread. Wow. Yeah. Shout out Duke to getting their first ever uh, college game to ever for football. I, so. I, I saw her that today. Oh, I dude, I didn't realize that. That's sweet. Yeah. They probably had a thousand in college basketball, but oh yeah, every time they play UNC at home, they get game day. Okay, this is the first first game, even home or away. Duke's been on it. It's like not even just host, but even been the road team for one. Never happened. Pretty cool. Cause you know what? I'm gonna go against with- the grain here, and I'm gonna go with the Blue Devils at home. Uh, I watched pretty much the whole game when they played Clemson, and. I was really impressed with their athletes. They looked like a legit uh, uh, top top of the ACC contender. Yeah. Um, they manhandled Clemson, who hung in there with Florida State, who beat LSU. So transitive property, I I think uh, I think I think they're legit, and I think Notre Dame's going to win outright. But I like it to be a really close game, especially at home. And uh, I'm taking Duke in the points. 
I like that. I like that pick. I mean, Mike Elko is a great coach. What he's done at Duke has been is. unreal. Um, and shout out Fairhope, Alabama quarterback. He's an absolute stud. What's his name again? Riley Leonard. Yeah, Riley Leonard. He's gonna make some plays. Yeah, he can make plays with his feet too. I mean, I, you know, I I think I think Duke covers, but Notre Dame wins. Um, I just you know after just a tough game last week with Ohio State come down the wire. I think they're they're going to be ready to come out and play. But, you know, Duke's going to keep this a really close ball game. But I just think Notre Dame has a little bit more talent on the inside with the line. And um, I really like Sam Hartman. And um, I think Duke will cover plus five and a half, but Notre Dame's going to sneak out a win um, in Durham. Um, I have very similar analysis. I think – I think Notre Dame, they put too much into that game. I mean, that green out, uh, you know, that game day, they had everything. Um, I think going on the road team that wants nothing more than to put on a show for the rest of the country, I think even though they're not a, a, a insane team, it's a little bit of a buzzsaw opponent. I think Duke gets the points. I think they, they there's never a second in this game where they're not covering. Um, I think Notre Dame could end up winning, but I, I think this is a gross one for Notre Dame. Um, I think their fans are going to want to turn it off, most, um, give up hope on the season. Maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I think Notre Dame could end up winning, but, uh, but I think it's a big great environment. And uh, it's not, not the game that Notre Dame's going to want right after. Ohio State and all them. Yeah, Brad, you know, your oddly specific takes are either going to turn out to be amazing <laughs> or just absolutely abysmal. There's nothing in between. Um, if I, I, don't, I don't hate them. Parlay Caleb Williams torn ACL second quarter and Duke never, never, never uh, trailing by more than the spread the entire game. <laughs> well, I can, I'm sure Vegas has some good odds for that one. All right. All so, right, move on to this last one. Yeah, I closed it off here. We probably have a game that only SEC fans care about. South Carolina hits the road, take on Tennessee. Um, you know, this is definitely a must-win for Tennessee in terms of their SEC championship hopes. Um, obviously, they have Georgia down the road, but they can't slip up this one. I expect it to be another high-scoring affair. As I, neither defense has impressed me in the slightest bit. Um, I think the Vols win, but I got the Gamecocks covering. I think Spencer Rattler will have another great game this week. 11.5 point spread, by the way. Yeah, sorry, my bad there. Got to let you all know that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with South Carolina, too. I've been a Spencer Rattler hater for a long time, but uh, he's really impressed me this year, especially in the first half of uh, – First half of that Georgia game, uh, he was lights out. Uh, he's good in the UNC game, too, and it's pretty evident they don't have the slightest bit of an offensive line. Defense isn't great either. Really not much talent around him at all, and he's been absolutely amazing. Uh, he, very few turnovers he's had. He's just about top of the SEC in passing yards, and I think touchdowns as well. Been super impressed. I think he'll, uh, just because of Spencer Rattler, think the Gamecocks are going to cover this game. And I don't even think Tennessee is that good, honestly. No, neither. Jimmy? Well, uh, I'm going to take the opposite on y'all. Um, there's always that one guy. I'm going to be that one guy. 
I think Tennessee covers the 11.5-point spread. I know they haven't looked particularly well. I know they struggled down in the swamp and lost. Um, but Saturday night in Knoxville, it's going to be a rowdy environment. This is a revenge game from last year. This is the game where, you know, South Carolina, you know, Hendon Hooker got hurt and they, Tennessee got spanked um, in Columbia last year. But I, I think Tennessee turns it around and they get a big win um, at home. I haven't really been impressed with South Carolina's offensive line. Um, I just don't think, you know, I think Spencer Rattler is going to play really well, but I just think he's just going to be getting sacked a whole bunch of times um, in Knoxville on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I'm right up your alley. I think South Carolina has an awful offensive line. I think Spencer Rattler is really an awesome quarterback. I think he's played well, but, I mean, he got sacked, what, eight times in their first game? I mean, it's just, it's just not something that you are going to – Win ball games with on the road in the SEC. Um, I kind of I love Tennessee in this game too. I think they end up winning by eleven and a half is a lot of points. I think it's there for a reason though. I think at home revenge game. Um, yeah, they have enough motivation to really want to go out there and, and put up a score. Um, I'm not gonna let us get out of here without talking about Kansas at Texas though. I think that's a really intriguing. I'll go ahead and lead that one off. I think Kansas wins this game outright. What's the line um, there? Uh, it's 17. I'm taking 17? everything. I, yeah, it's 17. I, I like Kansas. So we're at Texas then? At Texas. Um, not much analysis here. It's another just gut feeling. I don't know. I think, I think Texas is uh, – is is just gonna be number one? I don't really know. Uh, I haven't watched too much Kansas ball this year, but I mean, I know they've been playing well and beat good. So that's all I got. Um, you know, I'll take off next here. That's a tough one. I mean, seventeen—that's a lot of points. I feel I feel hard to believe Kansas won't cover that one. Um, I think Texas wins outright, as I have Texas in my in my playoffs. But I think Kansas covers the large seventeen-point spread. I think Jaden Daniels. Is a good quarterback, and I think the the program they'll they're building is coming along the right way. Yeah, um, I agree. I love Jalen Daniels, uh, and to be honest, even though Texas whooped Bama's ass and Bryant Denny, I really was not that impressed with their squad. I think we shot ourselves in the foot a lot and made Texas look a little bit better than they are. I think they've got some problems offensively, um, and I think they're definitely going to get the win at home, but I think uh, I think the Jayhawks are going to cover. And uh, it'll probably be, I think the cover's going to be tight, but I yeah. uh, I think they, I think they get it done. I could, I could see a push there, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me yes, too. That, that sounds like a really good number. It's 17. We love the push. We love the push. Jimmy, you're going to give us another push? No, I'm not. I'm actually going to fade all y'all. I love Texas to cover this weekend. Okay. Um, uh, September 16th, I watched a little bit of Kansas at Nevada, who is one of the worst group of five teams right now. They're 0-4, and Kansas played awful, should have lost, only won by a touchdown. Um, I think Jaden Daniels is a dog. He's really good. I love watching him play. Um, I love Lance Leapoid. He's done one hell of a job at Kansas on what he's done. But I think Texas is, in my book, um, the first or second best team in the country right now. Quinn Ewers is an incredible quarterback. Um, it's probably going to be a hot one down in Austin with a 230 kick on ABC. 
Um, but I see Texas backdoor cover. I think they win 42-21 against the Jayhawks. Brad looks like he wants to throw up in the background over there. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's good. I'm remembering uh, last year going down to Austin. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that that was a hot one. That's probably a hot one. Uh, worst summer of my life. That was the hottest game I've ever been to. Other than maybe another Texas game, 2000, uh, 2012 at uh, Aggie Land in College Station. That was yeah. about the six at, at Tomahawk. Yeah. Kick. The weather yeah. on a, the weather on Saturday in Austin is going to be high of 95. Um, that game's right at 2.30, so it's going to be a hot one. Not for sure. All right. Well, um, I think all we got for our uh, our pilot episode here. Um, we'll be we'll be looking forward to recapping. See if uh, Caleb Williams ACL is intact. Next <laughs> um, we'll be we'll be going through everybody's picks along with the game and breaking out the tide. Um, I'm gonna end off with a nice roll down pod. Yeah, roll down. Time.